It's time once again for the Go-Giver Podcast, where we explore five timeless principles that will increase the profitability of your business and the joy in your life. Now, here's your host, the co-author of The Go-Giver, Bob Berg. Hello again, I'm Bob Berg, and we have what I hope you'll find to be an interesting and value-packed show today. Practically every financial advisor will tell you that if you want to build a healthy financial nest egg, it's important to pay yourself first immediately upon receiving your paycheck. And it's great advice. We'll discuss that in our Thought of the Day. And later in today's interview, well-known entrepreneur Mike Michalowicz shares his painful discovery that paying yourself first in business as a business owner is just as important in terms of having a healthy company. He explains why and shares with us how to do so. I thank you for joining us. It's been used as an example so often that by now it's almost become the go-to analogy regarding the importance of taking care of yourself before you can take care of others. You know, the pre-flight announcement advising that in the advent of a loss of cabin pressure, when the oxygen mask drops down, to place the mask over your own nose and mouth first before placing it on your child sitting next to you. Now, I've never been a parent, and I've never been on a flight in which the loss of air pressure caused the masks to come down, but I can only imagine how counterintuitive those instructions must be to a mom or dad. I mean, as a parent, how do you not put the mask on your child first? Yet, there's a reason that these instructions exist. Mainly, if you're not able to breathe and operate yourself, not only will you not be of any help to yourself, you won't be any help to your child. Well, it's the same when it comes to personal finances in terms of saving and investing for your future. I can't think of even one well-known and highly respected author or expert on financial planning that doesn't advise us to pay ourselves first. What does that mean, pay ourselves first? Simply that as soon as you get your paycheck, you take the amount or percentage you've chosen to invest in your retirement fund, savings account, etc., and you do that first before anything else. Many experts advise making it automatic. You simply arrange for it to automatically transfer into those accounts every month. That was actually the meaning of the word automatic in author David Bach's best-selling investment book, The Automatic Millionaire. He wasn't saying you'll become a millionaire automatically, but that you'll eventually be one by making your savings and investments automatic. You pay yourself first. You see, it sounds right to say, well, I'll pay the bills, go out to dinner, buy the regular things I buy, and then after that, I'll take what's left over and invest it. I mean, I'm disciplined enough to do that. But we all know that as human beings, it doesn't work that way. Much more often than not, it won't be there after. So we pay ourselves first, then we live off the rest of it. In very short time, we adjust our spending and can easily live on the percentage that's left after automatically paying ourselves first. Again, this has now become common investment wisdom. And for good reason, it works. Paying ourselves first works in terms of savings and investment, in giving to charity, and anything else we hold to be of value. It works in other areas of life as well. When you think about it, respecting others begins with having a healthy amount of self-respect. Those who most value others seem to be those who genuinely value themselves. This does not in any way contradict the go-giver philosophy of focusing on bringing value to others. It simply means that in order to give value to others, 
we must have value to give. While I certainly can't claim to be a scholar of the works of Mr. Bill Shakespeare, it seems that many people take the famous bard's phrase from Hamlet, this above all, to thine own self be true, as a battle cry for evil selfishness, as though you should do what's best for yourself at the expense of others. Nothing could be further from the truth. The entire phrase spoken by Polonius while counseling his son Laertes was, This above all, to thine own self be true, and it must follow, as the day the night, thou canst not then be false to any man. In other words, check yourself first. Be sure you have your own act together. Do that, and the chances are much greater you'll have a lot to give to others, including the most valuable gift of all, yourself and all the good that comes with it. Are you a successful entrepreneur or sales professional, but you know you have the potential for even greater sales success? You're not alone. The reality? Most people aren't nearly as proficient at selling as they could be. Fortunately, it need not be that way for you. I invite you to join me, along with my brilliant business partner and strategist, Kathy Tajanel, for two days in Orlando, Florida, and attend our Go-Giver Sales Academy. Go-Giver Sales Academy will help you to enjoy your business more, communicate more value to your customers, reach more people with your exceptional value, sell at full price, and embrace the abundance that's your birthright. You'll work personally with Kathy and me in a small mastermind-like environment. These workshops are limited to only 20 people, so it'll be impactful and transformational. Learn more at gogiversalesacademy.com. Click the link in the show notes. Remember, money is simply an echo of value. You'll learn how to effectively communicate that value. Mike Michalowicz is plainly and simply a marketing genius. As a young man, he seemed to have an intuitive sense of what worked and how to apply it to business growth. He launched and sold two multi-million dollar companies before the age of 35, and he created a third, Profit First Professionals. As a popular speaker, he shares his insights about business and entrepreneurship at venues around the world, including TEDx, Creative Live, and Inc. Monterey. His columns have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Open Forum, and Harvard Business Review. Mike is the author of the now iconic, what Business Week deemed the entrepreneur's cult classic, The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, and yes, that is the name of the book, and The Pumpkin Plan, and the one we'll be focusing on today, Profit First, a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. Now, unlike his other books, this one is not about marketing and business development, but about something that, regardless of how effective your marketing is, it's all for naught if you don't correctly handle this vital area of your business. His website, featured in the show notes, is MikeMichalowitz.com. You can get Profit First there as well, or via Amazon.com, or from your favorite bookseller. And of course, the uh, link to the book will be in the show notes as well. Mike, welcome, good buddy. Oh, it's good to be here, Bob. Thanks for having me. Uh, always great to speak with you. So if it's okay with you, I want to clarify something before we even begin. Much like when people hear the title, The Go-Giver, mm. if they haven't read the book, <laughs> they assume it's about giving yourself and your products away or yes. not caring about making a profit. Of course, it's it's nothing like that. But the title of your book, Profit 
first, right? If one hasn't read it and doesn't know you personally, it sounds like, oh, he's saying you don't care about your customers. All you care about is money and profit. But of course, that's not what profit first is about, is it? No, no. Yeah, I've been called a money monger. Uh, if your book, if, if, if it was two people on a shoulder and you were the angel on one side, I'm the devil on the other, because people think it's the antithesis of caring and giving. But it's clearly people have not read uh, even the first page. Um, profitability brings stability. It is necessary to, for the health of your business and the longevity and for you to perpetuate what you want to do to contribute to society. You have to be sustainable. And so that's what Profit First is about, is taking care of the bottom line. And you have to if you want to do what you want to do. Right. To make the money, you've got to give value and provide value to your customer, obviously. Now, when the money comes in, now you've got to take care of this in a way that it's going to make it sustainable. Uh, but you learned a very painful lesson, and I, I'm going to ask you to take us through it because I think it's important to set the foundation of how you, this brilliant young business creator who, from all appearances, was just on top of the world, you'd received a series of huge checks while still yeah. a young man, right? Selling your businesses to a, a selling your first business to a Fortune 500 company, mm -hmm. uh, you came to discover its necessity. Now, you're Mike. You're a fun person. You're a funny person. I found out just how much so when we were on a <laughs> yeah, panel play, playing prank on you on the stage. Yeah, thanks. Event. I really appreciate that. But your <laughs> but your your business was derailed by what happened and you were not a happy camper. Yeah. And what you were doing, many other entrepreneurs continue to do to, to this day. So what what happened? Take us through it. Yeah, so there's a statistic now that speaks to this experience. Uh, and I believe it was conducted by the SBA. It floats around and there's multiple sources, it seems. But uh, let's say it was the SBA. They attribute uh, that 83% of small business, and, and small business is defined by the SBA as a company that does $25 million in revenue or less. It's absolutely my business, all of my historical businesses. I suspect it's most of the folks listening. And uh, the SBA said 83% of those businesses are surviving check by check, which means if I don't get a deposit in this mm -hmm. week, I can't pay my payroll next week or I can't pay the rent. Um, and it's this constant survival. And I fell into that trap too. You know, as I was growing these businesses, it's amazing the accolades you get. I had a company, my forensics business conducted in part the investigation for Enron. There's other companies involved in that project for sure. Um, but we got accolades and recognition for it. We then got some of the biggest uh, cases where forensic evidence was being investigated, computer forensic evidence was being investigated. In history up to that point, we were getting the cases. And there was a talk about our growth and our size, and I bought into it. I believed, Bob, it was all about how big are you? And I'd brag about the top line. I'd brag about the number of employees we had. I'd brag about the size of the space we had and all that. And... The model for me at least was proved out temporarily once it was acquired by uh, Fortune 500. It's called Robert Half International, the, the company. It's a conglomerate of account mm -hmm. temps, office temps. That was huge. Yeah, huge, right? They acquired us. And uh, I'm like, see, that's it, man. It's all about your size. And then the profit, the payday, if you will, comes at the end. I thought profit was an event. And so mm. I decided in my all, all the genius that I am came together and said, well, why don't I do 10 of these simultaneously? Instead of starting one company and building, I'll do 10 simultaneously. And that's where wealth is, the ultimate. So I became an angel investor. I, I sucked at it. I was horrible. I, 
all these companies I started were failing left and right. And I was putting good money after bad, not believing that they could fail like this. I, I now lovingly call myself the angel of death as opposed to an, <laughs> to an angel investor. But I, I went, uh, I went bankrupt. I, actually, I didn't declare bankruptcy. I should have, um, my accountant advised me to, but I was, I hit rock bottom financially. It only took me two years to do that. And uh, it became my ultimate wake-up call. I, I had to confront my family and tell them what I'd done. The, the guy who was here to support the family, to give us a foundation, is the guy who tore it away. And um, as I was doing this, I, I'll never forget, I was crying and sobbing in front of my family because I'd been lying to them by omission. I'd not been telling them what's going on. And my daughter mm-hmm. ran out of the room. She was nine years old at the time. She heard this. As you could imagine, Like that's what I wanted to do was run away. But she actually went to her bedroom and came back with her piggy bank. And she said, daddy, I'm going to help us get through this. Mm. And, uh, still, I can just feel it right now. It's just, that will, it shakes me every single time. It was gripping reading it in the book. (sighs) Yeah. I was embarrassed to share that story. It took me years to, to write that down, but I I thought Mm. it was critical. Yes. Because that became the seed for change. Now it didn't happen in that moment. I actually went through a couple of years of depression after that. And, um, and doing some things I shouldn't have done, but uh, like drinking was the, the big thing. But I started turning it around and found that profit is not an event. Profit isn't something that happens one day when you get that next big client or that big project or sell your business. Profit is not an event. Profit is a habit. It's something that needs to be baked into your business. Every transaction, every moment, every single thing about your business must facilitate profit. It's a series of small little tiny wins that add up to profit, not one event one day down the road. Okay. So I, I want to go back to something you, you said that people often ask, how big is your, well, I don't think you got to where they asked, but you were saying that you were talking about how big your business is, yeah. but, but in the book you talked about, you know, at a, at an event at a, um, an association event or a group of entrepreneurs yes. will get together. And what do they say? How, how big is your business? Or they might, they might say, how many employees do you have? How many states or countries? But the question isn't how big is your business? It's how profitable, how healthy, healthy. How healthy. Yeah. yeah. So I use the word, how healthy is your business? Yeah. And, you know, and this is perpetuates through society. So uh, I'm in an organization. I mentioned them in the book that Every to qualify for the organization, they ask you how big is your business. You, you have to have a certain amount of revenue to qualify. Um, you know, authors, you and I, you know, the the author questions say, "Hey, how many books have you sold?" It's it's the how big is a question. No one says, right. "How much profit are you taking home from your book sales?" They say, "How many books are you moving? <laughs> have you passed past the five hundred thousand or whatever? You know, it, it's it's constantly this bravado uh, that comes about, and and I bought into it hundred percent. Hundred percent, and still, even today, it's hard to fight it because it, that, well, it's it is. It's, it's counter. It's counterintuitive. I mean, you think that the dirty little secret is what colossal growth. Uh, well, colossal growth uh, w- without financial health will kill your company. That's the dirty little secret, right? Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't seem like it would. It seems like colossal growth. The uh, the question, Mike. But if I'm growing so much, won't that just make everything okay? Oh my gosh, that's that's the. I hear that, Bob. That that's like like the go giver. When people do the first kind of acid test on on your cover, they say, "Oh, you, you give away everything." Give it right. right? <laughs> well, the acid test for profit first. They say, "Well, hold on, I want to grow, and profit first is going to prevent growth." So I, I I'm in the grow mentality. <clears throat> well, when I get that, I ask people, 
why do you want to grow? And, and literally, I was at a conference a week ago where I presented on Colorado, and, and one person raised her hand and, and asked that exact question. I want to grow. Growth is important. So I asked them a simple question. Peel back the onion. Why do you want to grow? And they said, well, so I can have more sales and so I can support more business and hire more people. I said, why do you want to do all that? Well, to make more money. I said, okay, okay, so you want to grow to hire more, to have more people, to make more money. Who's the money for? Well, well for me, I want to make more money for myself. Oh, so you want to do all that stuff to become profitable. You know, you're, you're the definition of kicking the can down the road. Why not be profitable now, find what works and amplify it? And here's the most ironic thing. We have now well over a thousand case studies, but we estimate uh, in our office here, we estimate on the high end about 30,000 companies that are doing profit first now based upon the feedback mm -hmm. we get in readership. But we know for sure a thousand, over a thousand case studies. Consistently, consistently, businesses that implement profit first actually grow faster than their counterpart. Because here's the irony. When you start taking your profit first, that's the core concept. It's the pay yourself first principle that we all know about. I'm just the guy saying, we got to apply this to business. When revenue comes in, you immediately take your profit and reserve it for yourself. What happens is you start reverse engineering your profitability. Now, Mike, can I, can I interrupt yeah. you for one moment? And yeah. I, I apologize, but I want to bring something up because this is something to, to really pay attention to. This has to do with what you called flipping the accounting formula. Mm -hmm. It was brilliant. Please. And I just want to put that because when people read the book and I really hope everyone listening will get this book, I, I just can't tell you how important this book is to your, to the sustainability and profitability of your business. What, how did you flip the accounting formula to do just what you're talking about here? So the core formula that everyone knows, everyone listening knows this formula, sales minus expenses equals profit. Uh, in the U S it's called gap accounting generally accepted accounting practice. It's the core foundational principle. You must sell, you must subtract the expenses you incur for those sales, and then what's left over is profit. It's logical. It's 100% logical. But here's the absurdity. It doesn't work. No. Behaviorally, it doesn't work. There's a reason 83% of businesses are not profitable. They all follow that formula, but it fails because it speaks to our logic, which humans don't have much of, and it, speaks, it does not speak to our behavior. Here's the behavior. When something comes last, it gets ignored. It's it's like you, I was, when we played kickball in like third grade, um, I was the last kid picked for the team. I, I was admittedly so bad that when the gym teacher put the ball on home plate, sitting still for me to kick it, I still struck out. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was the kid picked last. And that's not the best, that's not the one you want. That's the one that nobody wants. You want to avoid it. The definition of last is ignore. And so when profit comes last in that formula, it gets ignored. Is it the very end of the year, what April 15th, point. we look and say, is there something there? Oh, there's not. Maybe next year. Mm -hmm. To flip the formula, I'm saying sales minus profit equals expenses. Right. Now, this is key. Yeah. The logic is identical. I mean, mathematically, if you flip the variables, it's identical. But the behavioral change is radical. Every time revenue is generated, you first subtract a predetermined profit percentage. 5, 10, 15, 20%. Start small, build bigger over time. But now once you take this profit away, the remaining money is for expenses. Our whole paradigm shifts. Instead of saying, oh, I have that huge deposit available to spend, which we do when we see a big deposit. Now we say, oh, I have this much money to spend and we work within it. It's, it's, there's actually a behavioral law called Parkinson's law that says our use of something changes based upon supply. 
at nighttime, when I brush my teeth, if I have a full tube of toothpaste, I use a full tube or a long bead. When I have an empty tube of toothpaste, one little drop is good. I'll bend it over the corner of the sink. I'll do whatever it is to extract toothpaste out of it. Our behavior shifts on supply. Mm. And by taking your profit first, you are inherently forcing yourself to become more innovative, find new ways to extract more stuff out of your business with less expenses. You become more frugal inherently, and you reverse engineer your profit to make it permanent. Oh, I love that. Okay, the first step someone can take, it, be, it begins with what? It's real simple. Go to your existing bank today and set up one account. I mean, if you really want to take a small step, set up one new checking account and call it a profit account. Now, some people say, well, I, don't, I can just do this on a spreadsheet. You say take 10%, I'll track on a spreadsheet. Okay, that's great. But you know, you already do that in your accounting system. It's already tracked there. It's called the chart of accounts. How's that work for you? You know, when it comes to running a business, most of us revert to bank balance accounting. We log into our bank account, see what money's available, and react. We, you know, we say we trust our gut. We have to have a system that works in direct, uh, it's in the direct path of our existing behavior. We skip the spreadsheets. We don't look at the accounting system. We don't have the time or the wherewithal or the interest, I should say, in doing that. So we set up one bank account. We call it profit. And every time a deposit comes in, just transfer that percentage into the profit account. And now you'll start seeing how they're breaking out and what the money is pre-allocated for, what purpose is meant to serve. The book is Profit First, a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. To learn more about Mike and get access to a treasure trove of entrepreneurial tips, visit MikeMcCallowitz.com. That and a direct link to the book will be in the show notes. Please get this book. It is going to make an absolutely huge difference in your business, in your peace of mind, and in your ability to sleep at night. Michael, thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Always a joy to be with you. The main lesson I learned from Mike is that regardless of your revenue, you must pay yourself first or take your profit first in order to make sure you're sustainably profitable both business-wise and personally. Remember, profit is not an event. Profit is a habit. It needs to be baked into your business. And remember to flip the formula. How are you doing with that? It takes discipline to make that shift. Do you see the benefits in doing so? And if you already are doing it, how is it working out for you? Please feel free to write me at bob at berg.com and let me know. We might even share your email on an upcoming program. Remember, The Go-Giver makes an excellent gift to those in your life in order to help them lead better, sell more, and touch the lives of more people in positive and significant ways. Visit thegogiver.com and check out the new expanded edition of the book. And check out John David Mann's and my brand new book, The Go-Giver Leader. We hope you enjoy it and find it to be of value. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and provide a review on iTunes. Visit thegogiver.com slash reviews. I enjoy reading every review. And your review will also help others to much more easily find this show. That's all for today. The Go-Giver podcast is brought to you by thegogiver.com. Visit www.thegogiver.com and get our free special report, The Go-Giver Way, Five Principles for Creating a Culture of Excellence. That's thegogiver.com. Stop on by. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I'm Bob Berg. Make it a great day.